Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, welcome back to my podcast. Welcome back to Chat with Dr. Connors. And this is Dr. Connors after a lengthy absence. Well, I begin by apologizing uh, for having been so absent in quite a while. And um, you can blame this too. <laughs> my surgery of my neck. I actually, and also to my disease, this myasthenia gravis. You can probably still hear uh, the raspiness, like I sound like I smoke five packs a day or maybe even ten. So quite honestly, I don't remember my own voice anymore, my, my original voice. It seems like it's going to sound like this. I'm going to sound like this. But I'm still thankful that I'm able actually to speak. The past few months, particularly when I stopped um, podcasting, uh, I think it was way back in July, I was actually slurring my words. It was difficult for me to uh, to speak without... Um, 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 difficulty. Anyhow, so, um, well, how is everybody doing? So it is December 10th. I can't believe it. And, uh, you would think that we should have been halfway uh, through with the pandemic. And yet it seems like we are beginning. <laughs> we are still in the beginning. So I do hope that everyone of you is keeping it safe. Sadly, I have lost uh, personal and family um, to COVID. And, um, you know, due to its, um, to the tragedy, uh, uh, the tragedy of it, that the family could not even go and visit uh, your loved one um, who departed but um, I think that is now our new normal it's very difficult to um, to fathom that this is going to be our new normal And um, although, although the entire world is suffering from it, we are equally suffering, if not, you know, some of us are suffering more financially. Um, not just financially, but a lot of us are suffering emotionally and mentally. 
uh, due to the fact that we can't be together, we can't uh, visit our family, our loved ones. Uh, but thank goodness, um, through the internet, we're able to communicate. We're able at least to see each other, even though just through this medium. Can you imagine about 100 years ago when the pandemic um, in, nine, in 1918 and um, <clears throat> they were not able to communicate or, see, or even see their loved ones. So I guess um, trying to reminisce the fact that uh, they had it worse seems like you know would try to make it uh to feel better by saying that okay they could not even see the family at least now i mean 100 years ago at least now we can't see our family through the internet we have all this technology where we can be together even though it's just you know we can't touch each other Going forward, um, I can see that um, in a short period, short period of time at least, short for me, a year, maybe lengthy for a lot of people, we'll still be like this wearing uh, our mask. Or at least, probably ease it a little bit once that we uh, get the vaccine. But I tell you though, it is not going to be the answer. We still have to be very, very careful because this virus is totally and immensely evil at its finest. It has killed more people. Um than a, a combine of the wars and all the tragedies in the last hundred years. So, um, well, my podcast tonight is not about that. It's not about the pandemic. It is, it's more talking about life stories. I know that in the last nine months, we all can share the same stories, the same experiences from this pandemic. Hardship, difficulty adjusting to our new normal. And uh, that in itself is an entire life story. But... Um, I have decided to um, do episodes of life stories because I want to know, I mean, because we all have stories. Each one of us, we all have stories, life stories, whether it's monumental or just a little bit, we all have stories to share. So if you do have a story to share, please send me a message write me the story, we could actually uh, use pseudonyms to protect the privacy of those people who are involved in your story. 
So to begin tonight, I would like to tell you a little, a part one of my story because it would take a hundred years for you to grasp <laughs> about my life story. Because my friend, as one of my friends used to say, I have, I have lived a thousand years. So, um, I'm very, very flattered actually. Uh, to have been asked, how do I do it? despite of all the um, seemingly trajectories that I have had to go through. I mean, for those of you who have followed me on uh, social media, I don't keep it a secret that um, I struggle. I have a lot of struggles on uh, left and right, front and back. Just I, I do have a lot of struggles. And uh, um, even though I try to uh, put this facade that everything is, seems to be all right, it's not really, because in my solitude, I go into this darkness darkness in a way that it is not um, well it's not hurting myself but I feel like there is this cloud that hover over my head following me all over everywhere I go um, and yet and yet I just smile at it. I still have this crackling, um, um, crackling uh, laughter. And also it's like, you know, I chat up a lot about it. I don't know it is my coping uh, mechanism, if that is my coping me mechanism, actually. But, uh, well, perhaps maybe. <laughs> yeah, there you go, I... I laugh when I get nervous too. <laughs> so we all have, like I said, like stories. So, so without going um, <laughs> uh, further ado, I am going to tell you about my life story. So... I will begin about 10 years ago. So right now, 10 years ago, I feel like I was, I was born again. I felt like I was a phoenix reborn out of the ashes of war. I know it's very deep. So I'm starting my story um, 10 years ago because it was around this time where I feel like my life has started. I've rediscovered myself. I'd begun to, to appreciate myself more because before that I have put everybody, everyone else before me. I've even given up my career in order to um, in order to um, 
put others' career silence there because that's it, it's rather difficult to um to go back to that point of my life but i will bravely uh, share it with you since i started it so well uh, 10 years ago i thought that I have found um a life a family a stability a husband a child mother-in-law sister-in-law everything everything are like um you know something that we dreamed of when we were children you have dreamed of having a family a stability and uh you dream of having a partner a husband or a wife that you could grow old together so i've given my all in this relationship even though i have been married before so i've given my all everything actually it's like in i've not thought of myself i've always thought of them like trying to keep them happy I never really cared whether I was happy or not. I was really really concerned more about their happiness. So I basically just set aside myself and I was taking care of everybody. Now in retrospect going back to that history of my life, I was actually very lonely and very sad because I felt alone. because i felt like i was i was fighting i was fighting a war a battle that i couldn't win i thought that by giving myself my 110% if there's such a thing to the people that i love i thought that i would keep them that they would stay in my life that they would love me but that isn't so I think not loving yourself and that uh putting yourself uh not necessarily ahead but alongside them alongside the people that you put ahead of put ahead of your needs and wants it's not it's not necessarily uh the answer <laughs> or or um or the padlock so that you can you can secure your relationship and your family i was subservient i never said anything i was basically i always said that that character i forgot the name uh that character in the joyla club because i watched that several times and i was that person i was that wife where i put my husband first ahead of me like i would cook i would cook the most delicious dish and wait for him until he comes home and then i would not eat until he comes home and only to like stand there and serve his food whilst i sit down 
and wait for him to compliment me with that dish that I cooked. And I would be so disappointed because after he ate it all, did not even say anything whether the dish was good or not. So I would go, I would go back, I would clean up after him, or after them really, clean up the kitchen, prepare again for the next day, and without without getting appreciation at all, but I was okay with it. You know, so I thought I was okay with it. Because I was trying to keep that person in my life. Keep them in my life. To have that family, to secure the family. I wanted that security. I wanted that family. So I became oh, the things that I did not do before. Before I moved to Arizona, I actually, I had help. <laughs> I had my own business, lucratively actually. And before that, you know, I had help, you know, I hired people to help me out in the house. But when I moved there, I became, you know, I became the, the total, uh, the epitome of a housewife slash maid. But I did not mind it. I thought that I was making everyone happy. That's what I thought. And then... It did not really matter, really. Because no matter what you do... If the person doesn't really love you or care for you. It doesn't matter what you do. You can basically give them your blood, give them your kidney or your heart or everything else, donate everything to them. It doesn't really matter. So I, I, I can't use an analogy rather than my own experiences. So anyway, I would cry silently. As a matter of fact, I'm really here. I'm taken aback right now because I'm you know, trying to recall, recollect that part of my life. It's a little bit difficult. But it must be told. It must be told also. It's like, you know, look, I'm not perfect. I'm sure that I've done something also, you know, I've done a lot of things. I'm not trying to tell a story, a one-sided you know, one story. Um, but I'm, try, I'm just trying to share what I can, you know, my part of the story. Because I know that I've done everything. I know that I did my best. And that's only... That's the only thing that anyone can do their best. So anyway, going back. In December of 2009, 
I went back because I thought that I still had a family to go back to. I would come to New York for 14 days once a month because I had a contract work. I would fly here, my company would fly me here. For 14 days I would stay for two weeks just trying to help out with the bills. And I went back and I had no family to, to, uh, to go back. I was actually told to vacate my own house. So I did not tell anybody about my plans. I was so hurt that I felt like I was a refuse. I was basically a rubbish that was discarded into the rubbish bin. So I packed what I could. There was nothing that I can I could do. Tears would not matter. Talking would not matter. History. I did not matter. In fact, I don't know whether I have even I was even I have even mattered in their lives other than <clears throat> a way to their means. Now thinking back, I believe so now that I think I was basically just there to assist in the transition. Because by then, the child that was involved, he was already old enough to be on his own. He no longer needed somebody to, uh, uh, to take care of him. He was a child, but he wasn't yet an adult yet, but he could be independent. So, um, in December of um, 2009, it was actually December 22nd when I decided to to leave and go back to go back to New York City. I had no money. <laughs> and when I went to to go to our joint account, our joint account was already closed. So I had no money. What I had was a gas card. I had that patrol card, Chevron, so I prayed that every <laughs> that the town or the city that I would end up to would have Chevron. Is it Chevron? Am I pronouncing it right? So I had that. I had the patrol card, so I used that. 
I was going to leave my dogs and the bird. I was going to leave them because we talk about that. You know, I would have access to them. I would visit them because, of course, you know, if I intended to, if I stayed in, in Tucson, Arizona, but I didn't. I knew that I would never see them again had I left them. I knew that they would probably have wound uh, up in, in a shelter had I left them. Because I knew that when I was working, whenever I was away um, here in New York City, working, I would call over there and 12 o'clock midnight, they have not eaten, my dogs have not eaten. And I was very worried about that. I was very worried that they were not going to be cared for. So um, at the last minute, I decided to take them all. I took all of them, three of them. I actually had four dogs, but I was lucky enough that my friend, my girlfriend, Carla, uh, adopted one, one of them. Otherwise, it would have been very difficult for me, you know, to take all of them, four of them. So I took three of them, Hurley, Scout, and, uh, and Sydney, and my bird, Gravy. So I still remember to remember when I was parking, I had the movies in the house. I was all alone, all alone, parking everything with the movies. I was, at that very moment, I still thought of actually um, leaving the dogs and the bird. I was, even though I was thinking of coming to New York City. I did not think of coming back to New York City. I was actually thinking of like staying because I've spoken to uh, to my former uh, employer there if I could um, go back to my job and she said yes. However, that very phone call that I received whilst I was packing my belongings to be brought into the storage and I quote it I can't wait for your skunky ass to be out of my life you have made my life miserable since the moment I met you and quote that was the most hurtful hurtful message that I have ever heard in my entire life from someone of whom I loved so, so much that I would have taken bullets for. It was very, very hopeful. It was then that I decided that, you know what, if I leave my dogs and my bird, I would never see them again. Or perhaps they would even go to the shelter because he won't be able to take care of them. So I did not plan of taking my dogs with me to City because I knew that I would have difficulty, you know, finding a home.
So, anyhow, <clears throat> that's Mart in the background laughing. I am actually podcasting. <laughs> Tell your stories. I'm glad that my 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 story is funny. This is what happens when you go live. <laughs> anyway, going back to my story. So this story, by the way, is not to 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 you know for you guys to feel sorry for me. I am all right. I have I have made amends with uh, with my ex, and we're okay now. But just it's just life story. Oh, this is just like a part of it. So yes, I have taken I have taken my dogs with me because of that. I did not want to take them with me. Because I knew that it, I, I would have difficulty like caring for them, you know. I did not have a job waiting for me in New York City. I still had my 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 um, renters, my tenants uh, at my house at the time. I could not evict them, and um, well. So I decided on December twenty second to drive across the country on my own, three dogs and a bird, with no money. <laughs> I pack enough food for my dogs. I pack. I have bottles of water. I calculated. That if we if we were in the road for two weeks, um, at least they had enough food and enough water uh, to drink for the next two weeks. If so, I packed them in my in my car. Fortunately, I have um, what you call the SUV. So when I decided to leave and take my dogs with me, I could never for- forget those people who helped me there. The movers, they helped me a lot. They knew the trouble, <laughs> the difficulty I was in, so they helped me out. They made sure that I still remember that day. I knew that my ex was coming at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I told them that look, we've got to go because if he comes home, I can never take my dogs with me. He would not allow me to take them, so I left just in the nick of time. As I was leaving the house, we have this very big house, so with different entrance and different exit. As I was leaving the house, 
he was coming into the entrance and I was in the exit. I put gravy in a small, gravy is my bird, in a small cage. And he and she went with the movers in the lorry. And I had the dogs in my car. I had apples, bagel, <laughs> and fried chicken for the next two weeks. I live off bagel. That's why my dogs, they love bagel. Um, anyhow, I'm laughing because now it's like I can laugh at it. But of course, I was in so much I was duress. And um, I did not stop until I reached New Mexico because the uh, Arizona, uh, Arizona State Police and also the constable from the city, they were calling me because I was, because my ex reported me that I stole the car that registered to me, that was registered to me. And I stole the dogs that were also registered to me. But I did not stop until I reached New Mexico because I knew that if I was in New Mexico, it's going to be a different jurisdiction. When I reached New Mexico, it was knowing. It was knowing. I could not see five feet of me. I could not see it. It was also the first time that my dogs have seen snow and they did not know what to do with it. So um, now it's night time. It's night time when I reached New Mexico. And so we stopped at a patrol station. That's where we slept on the first night. I tell you though, dogs are very wonderful. They are fantastic. They are angels, angels on earth. As if they knew what I was going through. A scout and, and Hurley, they alternated in protecting me during the night. One would be sleeping next to me and the other one would be sitting down and just watching, watching the surroundings. So um, when they were young then, so Hurley was able to jump up and down, up and down the car. So I would put the big dogs, I would put them together and walk them and then leave Sydney inside. And then after I walked the two big dogs together, then I would take Sydney out. So I pretended that I had somebody in the car. And of course, Gravy, you know, my, my bird, she mimics everything. So yes, it sounded like somebody was in the car with me. So, um, well, my mom did not know actually what I was doing. Um, she was looking for me all over. She thought that I was still in Arizona, that I was just trying to secure a flat there to live. But unbeknownst to her, I was actually on my way to the East Coast.
it was very frightening because it was very very cold. But I had the mind frame to take um, I ten. I did not go to the Midwest because I knew that I would get stranded in the snow in a snowstorm. So I took I ten all the way to uh, to Florida. <clears throat> I stopped by at my friends in Texas. I then headed back again to um to the, on the road. I, I went back on the road. We slept on a patrol station. Really terrifying for me. I was giving myself a fright. You know, just being alone on the road like that. But I was determined. I was determined to make it to New York City. I had my dogs to protect. Their lives were dependent on me, so I had to be strong. I had to compose myself together. And... um So when I stopped in Texas, I thought that I would, uh, I would get a reprieve at least on one night. But um, since my dogs were not welcome in the house, so I know I couldn't leave them outside. So I had to go. I had to go on the road again. So just about a few miles from that, it was December twenty fourth. And this lady, I could not forget her. And if she happens to be listening, <laughs> um, she actually allowed us to go inside her restaurant and gave us warm soup and even gave my doggies some chicken. And... Um, there was uh, such it was such a lovely lovely gesture to a stranger a complete stranger you know for someone to just welcome a complete stranger including my dogs <laughs> and in comparison to people that you know Anyway, that is a different story in another in another segment. So that was my two thousand nine story. So it's still a lot. It took me at least I think I arrive around um uh, January second in New York City because I stopped. I took my time. We spent the new year on the road. I took my time driving. It was very, very, very cold. I remember getting lost in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember getting lost in Washington, D.C. And I said... I write, I know I'm familiar, 
with Desaria, but are not too familiar. And of course, that you know, there's there aren't a lot of uh, places that aren't safe, but I wound up in a not so nice neighborhood in Washington D.C. Of course, <laughs> just my luck. But even though I always uh, make fun of um, of my luck, I was lucky that day. Nothing happened. <laughs> I was able to make it out there alive. Even though I was circling and circling. Um, because I couldn't figure out what to follow. Uh, there was detour. And my navigation system at that time is like, you know, it was just following um the 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 road that was there before and of course you know they close it oh, 11 years ago I can't believe it it's been 11 years ago still so fresh in my memory now how did I travel without money Um, I was able to do it with just a gas card. I was eating only what I had. Junk food and uh, my dogs, as long as my dogs had, had food. And that has always been my motto, even to this day. And good news too. Whilst I was on the road, um, I was applying to um, to go to Colombia, and yes, I was accepted, and that is one of the positive. Um, positive part of that journey. But I can tell you a lot of stories on those long, long winding road of Texas. You know, when you take that Route 10 in Texas, you could drive a hundred miles without say, without uh, seeing anybody. I think the towers, because I remember looking at my my mobile, that the towers that it used, it, it looked like I was in Mexico because it used the towers in Mexico. That's how close I was to Mexico. That Route 10, um, the El Paso, San Antonio, yeah, down Route 10 there. Just... It's just like, it's just a long, long road of nothingness. But I remember filling up patrol that if I even use a quarter, a quarter of a tank of my patrol, I would fill it up because I did not want to be stranded. Oh, good God, Texas. You gave me a fright. 
It is a huge, that is a large, large state. It is a country of its, of its own. I drove for a day and a half and I was still in Texas. Oh, that I went to, when I stopped in Houston, Texas, so I went to, through, I believe, Louisiana or Alabama, Louisiana. I don't know my geography, whichever that is. But I tell you, they're the southern states. Those people over there, they were lovely. They were lovely. Oh, I, I, I remember also driving through uh, Mississippi. Just nothing but pine trees and those roads. Again, no soul to be found. <laughs> so I made sure that when it was dark time, I went to, it's either I went to, um, to a patrol station or a restaurant. And I would park right there under the light too. And again, I would go in the back of my car, clutching my phone and my keys, make sure that I had my keys all the time on my arm. And also my phone. And my dogs next to me. They kept me warm. Oh God, so cold. So cold, I remember how cold I was. But those furry babies, they protected me. They kept me warm. They, 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 they knew that I was cold, so they would just hover over me. Yes, that's how wonderful my dogs were. And even my dogs now, they're wonderful. But Hurley and Scout and Sydney, they went to a very, very special chapter of my life. So I formed a bond with them. We were protecting each other. And I think that Gravy, my bird, <laughs> learned so many words during that journey, because I, she was the only one I would talk to. And then I stopped in um, Pleasantville. Is it Mount, Ple no, Mount Pleasant, not Pleasantville. Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Whew, I thought that I was going to, to just live there. But I said, nope, can't do it. What would have happened if I moved to South Carolina? Probably a different story. Anyway. So, that is... Um, that is my story from 2009, December 2009, to... Um, 2010 um, it was very difficult the first part of 2010 and I do not tell you though that during the time that I was traveling with 
my heart so broken. I was under duress and so distressed, and truly in turmoil. I. I still managed to compose myself, and so I I needed to save my dogs. Despite of the constant calls, of threats, that I was going to jail for stealing my own car and stealing <laughs> and stealing my own dogs, but I promised myself that all the material things in the world could be replaced, but not my dogs. I remember saying this too: "You can have everything. You can have my money. You can have my house." You can have my things, but you cannot have my dogs. So yes, I took my dogs over material things. I left everything. I left everything in Arizona, and I took my dogs. But I was very happy that I did that. Say so, well. When I finally arrived in New York City, I was so paranoid that I would take my dogs with me everywhere I went. <sighs> I was so afraid to leave them at home. Now I came home. Now my tenants at my house—they finally vacated after after a, leng a lengthy battle. They vacated, so I was able to go. Go to my house. With no electricity, <laughs> very very cold. No furniture, so we slept on the floor. We slept on the floor because we had no furniture, just blankets. So again, that's poverty for you. But you know though. What I have done freed me. So I was born that day. Actually, I, so the person that I was before that journey died, and um, I was born that day. I learned how to love myself. And I realized that you can't really love anybody. That unless you love yourself first. So in a way, what did I really feel? You know, was it really self-serve? When I love so much like that, I thought that I was loving someone so much. Until next time, that is the part one of my story. 
on a lot of things, a lot of events followed after that. Tears, tragedy, but laughter, happiness and joy followed. So anyway, thank you so very much for listening. And uh, until next time, so follow me and tune in again next time for my part two of my personal story. And like I said, if you have any story to share, how short, how long, no matter how short or long it is, please share with me. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about it on air, on my podcast. And, um, you know, it's like um, life without a story is not a life indeed. We all have our own stories. We all have our happy story with a story of happiness or tragedy or or, or, or victory. So I'd like, to, I'd like to hear from you. Again, thank you all so very much for listening. And this is Dr. Connors. And uh, uh, please share and comment. Email me, message me, and uh, leave me a comment. And thank you very much and have a fantastic night. See you again next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.